this is it boys and girls this is brody sports talk spotlight game of the week my name is derek rusnick and i am joined by my co-host caleb caleb how are you doing today i'm doing awesome man let's talk some crazy afc west action here for the game of the week in week 18. yes this is it all everyone go to the betting windows we are going down winner take all one hand we're going the chargers headed to vegas for their lucky game uh luck be a lady tonight um and every other night uh that being said we are talking about week 18 uh game los angeles chargers at vegas the winner of this game get the playoff spot the loser of this game gets to go home or do they so uh, we have a couple of things we're going to talk about about this game we're going to talk about the how to win this game how each team should approach the game and um, if we see this they should win what the playoff implications of this game are and what should be done if the winning team when they go to the playoffs how far do you think that playoffs team is going to go and then we talk about our crucial coach and our dude in the trench. So let's start off. Caleb, what is your key aspect of this game? What do you want to see that if you see it, you know that a team is going to beat the other team? I want to see a lot of key conversions. I know that Staley has been very aggressive this year and somewhat chastised by people who kind of look at analytics and go, okay, so what about analytics sometimes? Sometimes you just got to go with your gut. And I think that there should be a little bit of both. But I think third and fourth down conversions, especially if we're seeing that the Chargers maybe have gone for it four times and maybe only gotten it once, that's going to be a, a clear indicator that the Raiders are doing well. But same thing on the other side. If the Raiders aren't converting third downs, you know, if third and Renfro is being ineffective because they know that that's where the ball is going, you're going to have to find someone else to get open. Um, it's been such a odd season for the Raiders, and I've kind of written them off every now and again. But I do think that those third down situations are going to be crucial. I think the Chargers are going to convert above 50% on third down in this game. Okay, I like that. So, we are at week 18, and we are at the last time that we're going to talk about regular season games. So, out comes my biases. I think if the Chargers step on the field, that they are going to win. I hate the Raiders with a passion, and I think they should go fly off a cliff. That being said, um, if Austin Eckler gets more than 110 yards, I think the Chargers walk away with this thing. I think that looking at the, his yardage is going to lead to third down conversions, much like yours. Um, it's going to be you know small, uh, small conversions. Um, the they're going to they're going to keep the third down conversions, the fourth down conversions to shorter yardages. You know, if they're getting to third and seven, third and eight, third and longer than that, 
it's going to be a tough day. If the Chargers uh, do any of that, I think they win. Again, if the uh, the Raiders go out onto the field, they should lose. Uh, so let's talk about the playoff implications of this game. So as we sit right now, it is win and you're in. Except there's a little bit of a caveat. If Indianapolis, Indianapolis loses, if this game ends in a tie, both teams can go to the playoffs. So... Uh, this is not for the AFC West. The AFC West has already been won by the by the Chiefs, so this would be for a wild card game, and they are going. They would be going to uh, the number two team. If uh, let's see, yeah, no, they'd so be going to the Bengals, as we say right now. I think. So if Indy wins, Indy's going to be in the sixth spot. Okay, and so. That would mean whoever is left would be in the seven spot, unless it's the tie, and then they are six and seven. Yes. If Indy loses. <laughs> yes, if Indy loses. Uh, so that would mean the Chargers would be going to the Chiefs as we sit right now, as the Chiefs are the number number two seed as we speak right now. That can change, and we'll talk about that on another episode on what the playoff scenarios are. That being said, um, I don't I don't know if I want to go to to Arrowhead Stadium, and uh, and play, but I would definitely get up for that game. Um, and so once it, you know if they beat the Chiefs, then we would see who they would play after that in the uh, in the next round. Let's see they, if all the, the teams win. I think it would be the Bills that they would. They would go to the Bills? Um, so, again, whoever, no, they'd probably face the Titans because uh, it's recent. Lowest team, so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. in general, so let's talk about it as if they were playing the Titans or the Chiefs. Because, okay. you know, right now the Chargers are probably out there going, hey, let's go Texans. You know, they just beat us a few weeks ago. We hope that they beat the Titans and uh, we don't have to face the Chiefs in the first round. And I say that for the Chargers, even though the Raiders are definitely the team that does not want to face Kansas City. They were humiliated off the field both times they played Kansas City this year. Would they have a chance against Tennessee? Eh, that's debatable. It depends on if Derrick Henry is back for sure. If Derrick Henry's back, I'm definitely not taking either of these teams against the Titans. Sure. Um, I also think that the Titans and the Chiefs, what they do is they have a good defensive line and pressure your offensive line. The Chargers at least have an offensive line. The Raiders, not so much. So I think that it would be a interesting one. I think the Chargers match up better against either of those teams. But the real question is, are they going to match up better against the Raiders in order to get there to match up against one of those teams? True. So I will say, and I don't want to say nice things about the Raiders, but if you would have told me earlier this year, after the draft after cutting almost their entire offensive line and uh, losing their head coach and Rich Basaccia coming in and uh, coaching this team, I would think that they would, I, I would be surprised that they, they are here um, at this point. So big shout out to the Raiders organization 
and to Rich, the head coach, um, I, I give it to you. Good job on getting this team ready to go. Um, I will uh, only give uh, Derek Carr a shout out because he shares my name with the spell, the correct spelling. So uh, let's talk about the. We already talked about the winner. They go onto the playoffs. They go play people. What about the loser? So if the Chargers lose and they they're no longer in the playoffs, what does that team take away from this year, Caleb? So I think that they take away the fact that they need to just be more consistent and more disciplined. Um, how many times have we looked at the Chargers this year and been like, what on earth happened to them in this game? One of the things that I know that the Chargers have as a huge weakness is their run defense. You know, it sure made it a lot easier for Brandon Staley to be able to scheme up the defense he wanted with the Rams when you have Aaron Donald up the middle. Uh, the Chargers do not have Aaron Donald up the middle. Just breaking news right there, right? You know, um, I think the Chargers have to figure out a way to do that because right now they can't go out and beat a team the way that they want to beat them. They have to beat a team in the way that they are able to beat them. And, yes, that involves Eckler getting a fair amount of touches. It involves Keenan Allen having some key catches. It involves Mike Williams probably making a couple of big plays. And and that's your recipe right there. I think if the Raiders lose, the team takes away the fact that they continue to fight through adversity this season. I mean... You have the Gruden thing. You have the Henry Ruggs thing. Then you have, um, I mean, I think I had read another rookie on their team got a DUI this past week. Like, maybe they just go internal and say, hey, we need to figure out what to do to help these guys live a quote-unquote normal life here in L.A. because this is different than, you know, even Oakland was. And so far it hasn't looked great for the Raiders. And we know that it's possible because, I mean, different league, but the Golden Knights have never had this type of offseason stuff that the Raiders have had this year. But you definitely say, hey, they fought against adversity. They kept trying. I think you probably stick with Carr, but you also, you know, do you stick with Mayock? You know, I think there's a lot more questions about the future of the Raiders if they lose, but you also like what they did for this season. Yeah, I'll follow up on, on that, and, and we'll go um, Raiders first. I think you take this as a win. Um, hey, we went through a bunch of adversity. We lost probably at one of the top five players on our team, especially how young uh, young he was and, and what kind of future he would have as a receiver. And we did it. We, we, we kept going. We kept fighting. The AFC West is not a bad division. You've got the former Super Bowl champion Chiefs who've been to the back-to-back Super Bowls. You've got a Chargers team that has the same record as you, and they're fighting with you. You're the Raiders, and the Broncos are still a seven-win team. Uh, 
um, you know, there are teams out there with two wins and four wins. And yes, the Broncos beat those uh, those lesser teams, as we might call them. But you still fought week in, week out in a really tough division. You have the building blocks. You have all the Legos in front of you. You can make yourself a winning team. For the Chargers, I think this this humbles Brandon Staley. Um, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a first-time coach. I did things certain certain ways when I was in with the Rams because if I took some chances, chances that offense would would cover up for it times. Oh, I gave up a touchdown because I had this weird defense, uh, weird coverage and tried to, you know, try to bring a sack and, and, and whatnot up, oh, gave a touchdown. Okay. Well, the, the offense is going to come back and score a touchdown and cover my, uh, my mistake. The, uh, the Chargers aren't built that way. So you humble them a little bit. You go back to basics. You have some amazing players on offense some really good players on defense, and his defense has looked pretty good this year at certain times. I mean, you can, you can see the things that he's implemented with the Chargers' defense. So I don't think either one of these teams hangs their head at the end of the year. Of course you want to make the playoffs. Of course you want to be, you know, this is the playoff game because you win, you're in. I, you know, back to what you were saying, living in Las Vegas is tough. Because there is stuff everywhere that can get you in trouble. And so a young team might uh, might find it really hard to, uh, to, to live in an area like that. And so you have to have a culture. You have to have a, a firm hand. Like, we're not going to deal with this. And uh, maybe that's something they need to look, at, look for in their next coach. Speaking of coaches, because I can segue beautifully, uh, let's talk about your crucial coach there, uh, Caleb. So I want to go ahead and I'm going to stick with the Raiders coaching staff, someone who was brought in and is trying to help impact the culture. And that is the wide receivers coach for the Las Vegas Raiders, Edgar Bennett. Now, Derek, uh, I always like throwing this out right after I've mentioned their name. Uh, are you familiar with Edgar Bennett at all? Well, of course I am. I know everything about everything. But for the listeners, why don't you tell them about uh, Ethan Benoit? What? No. Uh, so <laughs> we've got Edgar Bennett. Oh, yeah, of uh, course. I am a bit of a homer for Edgar Bennett because he was a longtime Packer. He won a Super Bowl uh, during Super Bowl 31 with the Packers. He had actually somewhat been drafted in the fourth round back in 92 to be a fullback for the Packers. But then he ended up playing more of running back during his time there. And he actually worked for a couple of years in the Packers' front office and then was the Packers' running back coach for six years before Mike McCarthy moved him over to be a wide receivers coach in 2011. So he's worked with a lot of Packers receivers, such as Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, you know, all of those during that time. He even would have worked with a young Devontae Adams. So a lot of good things for 
Bennett to work with during his time in Green Bay. Of course, when McCarthy's time was coming to an end, Bennett did come over and join the Raiders. And with the Raiders, I think that he's had some success. Uh, I think that you look at the fact that, you know, Hunter Renfro has been more prolific in the NFL than I think a lot of people thought he would potentially this year at all. Um, He, you know, is a consistent threat for them. Um, You know, and then you look at some of the things that he's had to deal with over the past few years. Like last year he made Nelson Aguilar look like a potential number one wide receiver. So much that he got paid by the Patriots, and he hasn't been seen this year. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, and then, you know, you look at that room this year, and you have, you know, what he had with Ruggs, and then Ruggs left, and then Deshaun Jackson, and he's working with young receivers like Zay Jones, who had a a good game this past week. I feel like there's been a lot of change for Edgar Bennett, especially this year at wide receiver. And that's part of why I wanted to focus in on him a little bit more. But I also think that it it changes things. You know, he, he had worked his way up with the Packers to be an offensive coordinator. I don't know that he's going to potentially be with this team long-term, depending on what happens this offseason. But I do think that Edgar Bennett is a name to keep an eye on because – even though he was a former running back, he's kind of had his hand in a lot of various places, you know, working in the personnel department, working as a running backs coach, working as a receivers coach, working as an offensive coordinator before. He's got a lot of tools in his arsenal if someone wanted to give him an interview for a head coaching job down the line. That is a great um synopsis of that coach i did not know and as every week that we we have these um you teach me more and more about the players who make the players better i'm going to give a shout out to myself i love hunter renfro i feel very very upset when he got picked up by the the raiders because i wanted him anybody anywhere else for the raiders so that i could uh could root for him but i can't root for him in that uh, ugly black and gray or silver or whatever it is, um, the Raiders have horrible colors. So let's talk about uh, my dude in the trench. So as I said before, I think the way the Chargers win this game is with the running game. I think that the you know first down, second down, it allows them to to play action. It allows them to get into short yarded situations where you can keep the clock moving, keep Derek Carr off the field. And that starts at the point of attack. So not only is my dude in the trench for the running game, but I want to talk about the passing game as well and how he brings into that. That's Corey Lindsley. Now he's a former Packer and that's why I bring him up so I can rub the uh, salt in the wound of the owner of the Packers, that he's no longer with the Packers. But um, the the interior line is very important for Austin Eckler to run behind. And 
not only to run downhill, but to make the next level block. If you can get off the, the your first block after your hole, um, you're going to you move you move to the next block. You're gonna often Eckler's gonna run for a long distance if you can get to the next level. So that's what the that interior line has to be. That's just the running game. Let's talk about the the passing game now. With a lot of the quarterbacks, most of the quarter next quarterbacks nowadays, they don't they're not under center anymore. You're not you don't have the hands between the legs of the center. You have to snap that ball in shotgun. It gives the quarterbacks an extra quarter second to read the defense, keep their eyes on safeties and where their receivers are going. And Corey Lindsley has a great snap uh, to shotgun. Um, he really, he, there's not a whole lot of over the head stuff that you see, uh, that Herbert has. And a lot of times when you put it right between the numbers, the quarterback does not even have to, to watch where the ball, you can just feel it coming to you and your eyes are already up reading the defense, reading your, your wide receivers. It's a very important thing to have trust between the center and and the quarterback, and Corey Lindsley is one of the top guys for that uh, that shotgun snap, either under center, shotgun snap, running the ball. He's an all-the-time uh, offensive lineman, and I will root for the offensive lineman to the nth degree. Um, any thoughts on Corey Lindsley? Caleb? I mean, I do, I do love the guy. I was somewhat surprised that the Packers went in the direction of bringing in Aaron Jones back versus uh, just starting A.J. Dillon this offseason and and losing Corey Lindsley in that process. And I do think that part of that might have been predetermined by the fact that Rodgers was thinking about leaving. I think if, you know, you don't have the conversation in the back of your head that you might be losing your star quarterback – what's a young quarterback's good friend uh star running back so uh, i mean they wouldn't mind an all pro center either but you you got to go with what you think you can get and unfortunately winsley took advantage you know he is a charger he's been a fantastic charger and he's one of the best centers in the nfl regardless of you know the the yards after catch that garrett bradbury had this past week that's very true. So, to finish up this episode, let's go a little wacky. Let's go a little crazy. Let's think what if. So, this game is going to start after the end of the Indy game. As we talked about before, if Indy loses and both of these teams tie, then both of the teams would go to the playoffs. Now, knowing that if you play this game, there's a chance you could lose this game. You can guarantee yourself a spot in the playoffs if you have a gentleman's agreement to just take a, uh, a knee for 75 minutes. Caleb, you are now the coach of the Chargers and the Raiders. 
knowing that if you play this game, you could lose it. But you have the prisoner's dilemma where if we neither one of us win this game and neither one of us lose this game, we know we can guarantee ourselves a spot in the playoff. Can you stomach that if the teams were to do that? Or tell me what your thoughts would be. I think that you have to play to win the game. I don't think that the teams are going to come out. I mean, this is the NFL. We're not we're not all just friends here and happy to be there. And I also think that you don't want to see each other in the playoffs. You're division rivals. You're not that far from each other either. You've got fans there. You, you want to make something happen. Now, what I will say is I'm curious if, like, late in the game or on fourth down, like late in the fourth quarter or if it were to go to overtime, if all of a sudden the play calling becomes considerably more conservative. Like, oh, we got the ball back and it's tied at 28 and there's two and a half minutes left. Well, let's run the ball a few times and see if we get anything instead of possibly throwing an interception. <laughs> okay. But, but at the same time, I think you got to play to win. So, Basachi so has got about... nothing to lose. I, I, I don't sure. think that either of these guys wants to go out there and just kneel the ball. At, I mean, let's face it. One, don't make us watch it if you're going to do that. Uh, also, if you make that gentleman's agreement, have like a fake victory formation handoff to Josh Jacobs at the end of the game where, or like something like that to really just irritate the heck out of the other team. Okay, so what if it naturally happens? What if you get to the end of 60 minutes and neither team has, they, they've both played their heart out and neither team can win the game? But you're about to go to overtime, knowing that a fluke of something, of a, of a fumble, of a batted ball interception, of it coming down to field goals. What about that? Naturally, it got to a tie game at the end of regulation. Could you put yourself through another 15 minutes of kneel downs to, to know that you're going to go to the playoffs? I couldn't. No. I couldn't. And for no other reason than I don't think I would trust the team on the other side to do the same thing. Okay. It may be the smart choice, but it's okay. also the the risky choice, in my opinion. Because if you lose in that situation where you're the person who took knees <laughs> and your opponent doesn't, then you look like the, the worst coach of all time. Okay, so um, for our listeners, uh, please tweet at Brody Sport. What's our at Twitter Brody again? Talk. At Brody Talk. My goodness, I just, I'm literally staring at it and I cannot read. I apologize, dear listener. Please forgive me. At Brody Talk. Tell us, do you think you, in, in all the scenarios that we talked about, Going out there knowing that Indy has lost, a very far-fetched thing because they're playing the Jaguars for a playoff spot. Um, do you think you could see your team out there doing that 
And if you were the head coach of a team, could you do a gentleman agreement where you kneel down, where you know your team is going to the playoffs? Anything can happen in the playoffs. So um, if you like that link or if you go go uh, tweet us there, all of our links at, at our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk. And if you like this episode and you're on a platform where you can leave a review and a rating, we think we're a five-star podcast. And so we think uh, we would love for you to give us a five-star, leave us a review. If you leave us a review, we'll read it on the podcast and tell you how right you are, no matter what you say. So for myself, for an on-assignment Sean and my co-host Caleb, Do me a favor and have a wonderful day. See you guys and gals.